Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to a special feature on an area very close to heart, inspiring and embedding diversity, equity and inclusion in technology and in particular cybersecurity, where this is a significant issue and the gaps are growing. We want to shine a light on the tools, culture, skills, role models and projects that are making a difference today. And hopefully this will inspire your curiosity and confidence to get involved or potentially to start a new initiative of your own. And to do exactly this, I'm in the best of company and delighted to be joined by Dr. Amelia Eswick, who is Director of Threat Research at VMware. Welcome, Amelia. It's great to have you joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been really looking forward to this. We had a chat a few weeks ago and I absolutely loved it. So yeah, highlight of my day, absolutely. And I thought actually the best way perhaps to start our conversation and drawing off you know, our previous chat as well, now let's get to know a little bit more about you, the person behind the tech, so to speak. So what if you could share a bit more with our audience about your role at VMware, but also other work alongside that as well, for example, at the National Cybersecurity Institute. And, you know, maybe share, for example, a moment that's mattered along the way. I think it will inspire a lot of our listeners. Great. So, yes, thank you so much again for having me. So um, my role here at uh, VMware as a director of threat research is really responsible for a global multidisciplinary team of threat analysts and researchers. And they really they form the core of VMware security business units, threat intelligence. So um, just really happy to be here because this is a culmination of my experience over 25 years and what I call this really unique intersection of information security, intelligence, and even academia. So uh, going back over 25 years, I actually started my professional career in the military. I served in the United States Army and uh, eight years, uh, mainly overseas. And then I was able to transition and use those skills, transferable skills, to then work as a civilian um, in the intelligence community. So that, uh, which really made the bulk of my career there, 17 years spending in the intelligence community, 10 of those years in cyber threat operations, really helped kind of formalize and crystallize the understanding of how dynamic this world is that we live in, right? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I was able to then to try to look and see how we can develop uh, and build and this pipeline of cybersecurity professionals. I actually transitioned to academia for five years uh, and was a, uh, the chair for uh, the cybersecurity graduate uh, school. And uh, also I was a director for the school's National Cybersecurity Institute at Excelsior College, which you had uh, stated earlier. And during those you know, years of, of in academia, that allowed me again to use all of my training, military and civilian training um, in the public sector, and then you know, try to contribute at least to building curricula and education and training for career transitions uh, for those who are changing their careers uh, in cybersecurity. 
And then also being a part of the conversations of what that looks like for our society, right? What skills are needed for folks to reskill and upskill? So really where I'm at now and uh, at VMware is really a, a culmination of all of that background that I have in information security, intelligence, and academia, and really overall cybersecurity. At the heart of all of it, I am a computer scientist. That is where I have my formal training and, and earned my degrees in. But really what mattered to me, I think, is the training in the military and understanding the importance of security. May that be physical security, how we protect our data, data security, right? So all of these things are so important, I think, in understanding, you know, where we at and where we are in this digital society. So, so true. And I love that diversity of experience coming together and the value that brings. That's fantastic. And a bit of a synergy there with me as well, kind of crossing over between technology and business, but also academia and research as well, and, and contributing to professional bodies, etc. and education. I love that. I think it's holistic but integrated mix, you would say. And I think that's really valuable. And I love that. And it's also there's not one linear path to certain roles. I always love to stress that. There's many ways and kind of ripples along the way, if you know what I mean. I, I like to stress that to people who are looking at you know a new career path, for example, there's so many ways into that, which I think is really, really interesting. And it kind of brings me on to kind of first main question in, in a way, kind of looking at visibilities of role models, because as we all know in cybersecurity, but also other areas of tech as well. So probably security testing architecture probably being the main ones alongside cybersecurity. There are these talent gaps. There are you know, lacks of diversity of experience, for example. And I think you know, inspiring others you know, to think, hey, I want to be involved in that. This could be me. And attracting more underrepresented groups is so, so vital. And those gaps have got a bit bigger you know, over the pandemic experience as well. So what would your advice be? What can you perhaps share with our audience today in your experience that might help other people to get more involved? Absolutely. So, you know, by by the very nature of who I am, I'm, I am an African-American woman and I served in the military. So my journey is filled with experiences that help sustain me to actually strive and thrive in, in uh, my profession. So I, I would say I, I've been really fortunate to be mentored and sponsored for technical leadership development programs. I think that is so paramount to provide development programs for groups who are considered underrepresented. Access to academic scholarship and fellowships and support for graduate degrees in, cyber, in computer science or any of the STEM-related fields. Now, I got to correct myself here because every time I, I talk this way, folks feel, oh, now you're saying we need a degree, right, to, to work in this field. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if their pursuit is there for someone to aspire to pursue, you know, their educational uh, attainment, then in supporting, you know, with uh, scholarships and fellowships, I think it's important. And I just truly believe it's it's my obligation. Um, it's all of us, really, our obligation to continue to pay it forward. I do a lot of mentoring uh, of young women, military, and other represented groups. And I support several nonprofits to help to train, educate, build, grow, sustain, you know, a diverse, Brilliant. equitable, and inclusive cybersecurity workforce. So I think, you know, it's really important that organizations and businesses create these opportunities and make them accessible to as many in the broad population as possible. So for example, you know, I am, I'm, 
I belong, I'm a member for, of the uh, National Women in Cybersecurity uh, Organization. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization that helps to, again, build and sustain women in cybersecurity. And I, I you know, saw a gap um, where they were not addressing the need for uh, veterans. So in 2019, I directed and launched the National Women in Cybersecurity Veteran Assistance Program um, that was actually uh, funded and supported by the Craig Newmark Philanthropy. So I'm just very proud of that program um, that helps transition women veterans into cybersecurity and other programs that, you know, I've been a part of um, to help, again, you know, build this really diverse pipeline of cybersecurity business leaders and other leadership positions. Oh, they're fantastic. What brilliant initiatives. And what we'll do as well for, for everybody listening, alongside the show notes, we'll put some links in there as well so that people can find out more about those the support that's available and that community, that fellowship and, and opportunities to learn and upskill as well. So any projects we mention here today, we'll make sure we include those links so that people have got an easy place to go and find them and find out more as well. So I think that's amazing. And I'll add into that as well. Um, I've got a non-profit Aspirational Futures that, again, similar lines around STEAM learning and opportunities to you know, democratise that chance to get involved um, and we've got some new scholarships coming this year as well around cybersecurity and other areas of tech as well so we'll include that as well and then we're going yeah, to be great to share all this and put it all in one place so that people can find out more it's brilliant thank you thank you my absolute pleasure and kind of related to that as well, and we've touched on this naturally already, um, but we're having we're having some issues, particularly around women in tech, but more broadly from that as well, where we're having, for example, in taking this from school age, certainly in the UK, I mean, kind of age 12 to 14, which would be GCSEs, you know, 16 to 18, which is A-levels, and then at university as well, we're seeing this drop off, you know, around STEM subjects in particular, um, in terms of girls in particular taking them. But then even if they are actually applying them in their eventual career, you know, post degree or apprenticeship, for example, I wonder what you think we can do in terms of encouraging to have um, this inclusion and diversity of experience embedded throughout teams. You know, we all know how much it benefits everything, whether that's creativity to satisfaction, you know, to reducing bias. So what do you think we can do to better change that narrative on the roles of, of women in particular in the technology industry, but particularly for cybersecurity? And what do you see our role as, you know, in this sector in helping to support that? We've touched on that already with some of these initiatives, but I'd love to just dive into that a little bit deeper. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be here to tell you the truth if it wasn't for the mentorship and sponsorship mm. uh, that I received in my professional career and, and continue to receive. You know, I, I don't think any of us can sit here and, and state that uh, having, you know, what we call accountability partners or your whatever you want to call them, your board of board of governors or board of trustees. Right? People have these personal uh advisors, right, to really help them and shape them in their career. So for me, I think, you know, we need to hold leaders accountable to ensure that the environment that they are fostering is one that is intentional on valuing diverse perspectives. So uh, providing support for young women and girls and STEM majors and STEAM is vital in building a pipeline for women in tech careers. So I know here at VMware, they are really, uh, they're innovating on trying to create new experiences to identify, expand, and support the pool of underrepresented talent across the technology industry. So there, there's quite a bit of programs that is curated 
and being developed and hiring uh, people from differing experiences and perspectives. And not only to start their career, but also to restart. We keep forgetting that this field is so dynamic that, uh, especially for women, we kind of you know, due to whatever family dynamics or whatever the case is, we are in and out of sometimes our professional career. So you want to be able to have opportunities where women can come in and not have to start from scratch, right? Uh, If they have to kind of leave the workforce for whatever reason. But also in the K through 12 space, as you stated, for young girls, so important to provide opportunities and access uh, to training and technology education. I, for one, I support a lot, you know, a lot of programs. And in my area, I'm located in Washington, Washington, D.C., and host plenty of neighboring what we call cybersecurity camps. And you'd be surprised a lot of these camps, everyone thinks, oh, they're sitting there and they have their heads down coding, which is, you know, that's an activity, but that's not the only activity. A lot of this is building the confidence and the comfort levels of young girls and young women and wanted to have the desire to pursue a career in tech because the narrative has been so uh, steeped into one kind of uh, one kind of, you know, population, right? That this this is are, are applicable to this uh, field. So just having having that constant mentoring and training and support and just building out these camps that are focused on developing this talent and keeping them involved, you know, um, has to be sustainable and intentional. So another nonprofit I'm really proud of that I help support um, and help develop is what's called Brown Girls in Tech. They are uh, just a wonderful program that is helping that K-12 pipeline. And they don't stop there. They also help with the you know post-secondary uh, young women, right, as they move into post-secondary education to help continue to develop. So it's a sustainable model. <laughs> you know, this is what we we really need to ensure that we build a really solid pipeline of of girls, young women, and women in the tech fields. So I could I could not agree more strongly. That's brilliant. What a lovely, fantastic project there. Game will share all about that, and so many other points that you mentioned there were, were going through my head and ringing bells as you were talking there about shared experiences and things. But I, I think kind of almost changing the narrative on what a tech career actually looks like is really important. I mean, kind of you mentioned that example of coding, and absolutely spot on. That's an important part of many roles, but it's not the only skill that matters. So many, and, and you mentioned the steam, and I know we'll come on to this later as well massive advocate of that personally as well and I think the more we can show how many different skills make a difference in a tech career and how many of these can complement you know we need that creative confidence that imagination emotional intelligence all of those things are equally valid to tech skills to build out those ideas as well so I think the more we can show that and just a different variety of what these skills can be applied for particularly in the tech for good space which which again bias acknowledge I'm incredibly passionate about but I think the more we can show that and show I, I run a little series called 365 and that's around visibility of role models every single day of the year, you know, rather than like a focus day, for it, for example. And in that, I'm interviewing people, you know, from C-suite to you know kids who are doing amazing projects in their community, you know, like with a 3D printer or something like that, you know. And it's just great to be able to show cases of, of somebody that's relatable to you, where you are at your age or location or anything else, and just say, hey, do you know what, I can do something like that and inspire those ideas. So love everything you were saying there. Absolutely amazing and great projects that are supporting it in that sustainable 
sustainable way, which is equally so important as well. You can't have things that, you know, support someone for a little while and then they dissipate. It's, it's that, you know, long-term support that matters so much. And equally, moving beyond mentorship to sponsorship, so, so important as well. So lovely points there, Amelia. Thank you so much. Um, you also naturally touched on something else that I think is an important kind of moment to reflect on. You know, we're in this transition moment in many ways, fingers crossed, you know, beyond um, COVID, et cetera, at the moment. But it has had impacts you know, beyond everything else that's been talked about you know, from a health perspective and, and different you know, ways of working and things. We've also seen some gaps getting bigger as well. It's put a pause on certain cases around certain DEI initiatives, for example. Um, but also, as you were talking about earlier, um, for example, women leaving the workplace, it, there's had a bigger churn rate around cybersecurity roles in particular. I read some research literally only weeks ago, and it was kind of talking about love of career, but leaving of, of careers at the same time. And it was it was quite um, you know, sobering findings in many respects. And it was kind of saying that plus 90% of women in a particular role that was in cybersecurity uh, were saying they loved it. Um, but their churn rate within two years was much higher equivalent to a man who had a lower actual um, love rate for that role, you know, based on this particular report. But it was showing there were a lot of challenges that were affecting you know, uh, women in particular leaving the workplace because of outside factors and the pandemic in particular, um, et cetera, was a big part of that. So what have you seen there? And you know, how do you think we can better ensure that no one is left behind and not just talking about women and, and girls in tech as well, but just more broadly looking at this democratization of equal access to opportunity. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, great question. I think this is this COVID-19 and, you know, post COVID-19 world <laughs> that we're living in, is going to be studied, I think for, you know, the next for generations to come because there's just so many human learning experiences that we that's it, it 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 uncovered right as far as just how much of the society really is fragile in so many areas in so many ways and and trying to identify what are those social safety nets that need to be created and ex, you know uh, implemented in our society <clears throat> to support those who are really are on marginalized on the edges, on the fringes, and not even just on the edges and the fringes, just who are living a day-to-day in a very uh, fragile state. Um, so pandemic and, and you know, myself working, you know, I'm a working parent. The challenge is, uh, you know, women bear the brunt of supporting the households and caring for their families. That's just, you know, studies after studies have shown this. And I think where our companies, private, public, whatever, needs to come into providing solutions is finding out how to support these, you know, working families or or just in general what people are struggling with, you know, providing mental health services, providing any type of other supportive services, um, health and, you know, uh, balance, right? Work-life balance. We keep saying that, but it's so hard to do work-life balance in post-COVID when exactly, you are, exactly. you know, every time I hear that, say, oh, we have great work-life balance. Like, what is that? <laughs> Can you explain <laughs> to me exactly what programs you have? I think here, you know, at VMware, we institute quite a bit of work-life balance that I feel is, is extremely supportive for for people in general, right? And how can we, you know, just allowing people to pursue what their likes are, right? To, to try to get out more and be more altruistic and 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 being supportive of, hey, you know, if you want to do something that's totally 
different or unrelated to, you know, your day-to-day work. We will support that. You have to give people avenues to to kind of make sense of all of this and and work working, you know, nonstop and, you know, how we're zooming <laughs> from one, <laughs> you know, one meeting to another or even having to go into work and not providing some type of uh, support for, you know, if they have children at home or if they have, you know, uh, caring for an elderly parent or whatever the case is. I think companies really need to reassess how can they better provide supportive services so they we don't leave anyone behind and that we do have more of a, a democratized equal access to opportunity. Because if not, if we don't really find out what those solutions are and every in every situation is different we will have not only what we're seeing now a mass exodus but it will be even more difficult to reintegrate folks or in general into the workforce and that is going to be a complete skill drain in our society and we really can't afford that you know we really can't afford the the skills you know it, it, growing that skill gap Absolutely. Now, you make great points there. Those gaps will get bigger. And also, I think it echoes another aspect we're seeing as well around, you know, the recruitment of new talent and the retention of talent as well. People are looking for different things. And there is the, you know, looking at what that balance looks like and active listening to see what that actually is, is so, so important. Um, but everything is finding, it's not, you know, purpose is the word that's ringing through my ears at the moment. Oh, you know, yes. Looking at that opportunity. They want to be give back in their, in their local community. They want to support, you know, some of those non-profit initiatives we've been talking about today and they want to make sure that their personal values alignment fits with the organization they're working for working with buying products and services for that values alignment is such a huge thing and it's becoming a differentiator i think when people are looking at you know where they want to work where they want to stay um, it's a real sea change around that which is a wonderful thing and it's great to see that being embedded i've seen that you know i've spoken to a colleague of, of yours nicola recently around esg at vmware and some of the work that's going around that being truly embedded, you know, in, in all you're doing, which is fantastic to see. So, yeah, it's great to see. I think one of the positive things that's come out of the pandemic, focusing on that for a second, um, is that we've seen better collaboration and we've seen issues that maybe have been on the periphery in some cases. Sustainability being another example of that. They're moving to become embedded and baked in considerations. We're seeing a you know, ripple effect in so many different aspects around that, including you know, the attracting retention of talents as well. So I think some really pro- good progress here. Obviously, it's a lot of work to still to do, but I think the trajectory is a very positive one. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's where people are seeking. It's, you know, we are more than what we do for you, mm-hmm. for your job, right? You know, we are, uh, you know, people work for people. They don't, you know, necessarily may not work for the company. So if, if the people and the environment and the culture is there supportive and, and invest in their, the people that work, the employees, then you're right that retention uh, is, is, is more paramount, right? That, that people will stay when they feel they're being invested in and appreciated and being supported, Absolutely, absolutely. And another aspect of this, again, is the kind of ripple of benefits, so to speak. You know, on the one side, you know, going back to your main area of work focus around cybersecurity, I mean, we've seen probably bigger at any other time, in, certainly in, in my lifetime, this escalation around cybersecurity threats, you know, integration, the you know, convergence of threats across ITOT, different technologies coming together that can create new gaps as well. 
Um, and again, just different patterns of working can you know expose different different aspects as well. So and if you even have bad actor collaboration, for example, just so many the list could go on in terms of this increasing you know, advance of types of attacks and their integration. But equally, if we invest in diversity in the right way and the, the, the advantages of diverse teams, for example, that can have a huge benefit in negating some of these threats and that diversity of thought as well being a huge part of that. What's your take on that, Amelia? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, when you talk about, you know, diversity, it's it's so encompassing. There are so many ways to look at what that means. And, and I know having diverse pers- perspectives is essential. Um, definitely essential for cybersecurity teams. I mean, you need a team that's resilient, that's agile, that has the mental fitness to work in a very dynamic field. You stated about the increase, you know, increasing sophistication of cybersecurity threats. It it's nonstop, unfortunately. But I think when you have a mindset of uh, mission and you're focused, and you understand, you know being a little more flexible and understand how to combat these threats. And, you're, and you bring all of you into that problem-solving exercise. I tell, you know, when I work with my teams, I want them to lean on areas that may not be as technical, you know, they're so quick to come into a problem and provide their technical uh, yes. solutions. And I go, well, what else? How do you see this? Let's look at this differently. Right. Uh, what other aspects or what are, what else do you bring into this, you know, this problem set and um, to, to help with the solutions? I tell people to lean in on their, you know, other backgrounds, you know, that they may have. I have, you know, mathematicians who work on, you know, on my on my teams. I have data scientists and, and all of that. But guess what? I also have folks who are like comedians, <laughs> you know, it. and all right, they do. Uh, you know, type of programs, right? And and folks who are are storytellers, and and all kind of different just skill sets. Um, so I I just want people to look at the problems always differently. And for me, you know, with the military background, so I have a kind of a natural propensity to execute both strat- strategically and, and tactically and looking at threats. And sometimes that's a good thing and that could be a bad thing, right? Um, you know, being laser focused sometimes is you you may miss the ball. You know how do you, you know, you can't tell the forest from the trees sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, it's important for people to Look at problems holistically, and you can't look at problems holistically if you don't have a diverse team that can bring in those different perspectives. Absolutely. And with the, the diversity of the threats themselves and the speed of change around that, the more we're able to look at it from every angle that we can possibly see, the better we're going to be able to deal with that. I could not agree more. And, and again, creativity is, is a massive passion of mine. And I love what you said there about, you know, members, members of, of your team, you know, being in the in the comedy circuit, for example. Yeah. Music is another one I see so oh, yes. many times in, in tech teams, myself included. But I must admit, playing rather than singing, that probably wouldn't be, say singing probably wouldn't be, for, certainly not for my podcast anyway. But, but uh, <laughs> it, is, it just brings, um, yeah, it just brings so much, so much value and that ability to look at it from every point of view that we possibly can. Um, not only has benefits from a cybersecurity point of view and negating those threats, but just from from the, from the team, you know, the, the bringing together the, the joy of being part of a team as well, the satisfaction, productivity, every research and just our practical experience of, of being in, in teams and leading them. We all know um, the benefits that, that brings. So, yeah, I could, I could not agree more strongly. And, and you also kind of naturally 
made me want to talk about steam in a bit more. And I, I never need any encouragement to ask questions about steam because I believe in it so passionately. So you know, this move beyond kind of this equal valuing, I, I would phrase it, around science, technology, engineering, maths and the arts in its broader sense. I'd love to hear, and I know you believe in this in the same way that I do, I'd love to give you the floor there just to say, what does that mean to you? What does STEAM look like to you? And how do you reflect that in your role or some of the non-profit works you do or within VMware itself? I'd just love to hear more um, of you talking about that because I know it's a big passion for you too. (laughs) It is. Oh, my goodness. I mean, um, the work that I do in helping to support and actively uh, support STEAM programs is, is just it really fills me with a lot of joy. So, so I actively teach and support uh, what we call Gen Cyber Camps. Uh, these are camps that are teach cybersecurity principles and skills, and it's sponsored by the U.S. government across the nation. Um, these camps happen every summer, and they really are uh, there to support students and teachers at the K through 12 level. So, in these camps, we STEAM is so centered focus in the Gen Cyber camps because there's a lot of hands-on activities. But the hands-on activities, people think, you know, for the most part, a lot of students, yes, they are, you know, they have the computers, they're learning, they're, you know, understanding how to use, you know, coding principles and all of that. But at the same token, majority of the time, I would say a good, at least in the camps that I teach, 50 to 60 percent of the time we're just doing arts. We're looking at how do you problem solve? We're looking at how would you build and, you know, you know, the, the marshmallow castle, right? Where all you have is marshmallows and, and toothpicks, right? And how can you build a marshmallow with marshmallow toothpicks? How can you build a building that is uh, formidable, right? And you just you won't be surprised just spending time and how you know, everyone builds all their different structures, right? And, and making sure that it's a solid structure. So it's just, how do we take things in society and apply it in a way where students can be creative, as you stated before, um, and innovative? I don't think we can have innovation, without creativity. I mean, this is just, it's the cornerstone of, think of application development. Think of, you know, you know, all the technological advances. You have to have that creativity uh, streak in there. So I I think it's so important. And it's just, it it really is one one of the things I think our society really needs to give a little bit more, you know, emphasis on in the school systems. Because again, also a lot of these programs, it comes down to access. You have, you know, a lot of students in our, at least in the U.S. in the K through 12 program that don't have access to these type of educational opportunities. So if we, you know, to take this and look at STEAM as one of the cornerstones for the future, I think if we look at it from a different lens, It'll be supported and funded and, you know, embedded in our society a little bit more in ways that it's more accessible to to everyone in the K through 12 level. So, so true. So, so true. And it had been a concern. It was one of my kind of inspirations for starting the nonprofit, actually, was the fact that I was really worried we could have a lost generation around the arts, particularly the way, you know, from the UK, if it's one example, funding is different around certain opportunities, particularly around apprenticeships and degrees and things like that. And I think shining a light on this and showing the value, the equal value right across STEAM subjects is so, so vital. You know, as I kind of mentioned earlier on, you know, we're looking to, to build tech solutions to so many different types of problems, you know, from business to societal ones to the SDGs. And to do that, 
we don't just need the tech skills to build that. We need the creative confidence, the imagination. We need the creativity to come up with the ideas and bring all these different parts together. We need the communication skills to get the buy-in and bring people together. And we need the skills, confidence to apply them as well. We need all of these things. They're not silos. They're not separate entities. They're complementary strengths. So, so yeah, I, I, I could speak about all, all day. I will stop now, but I, I totally am with you. So as much as we can shine a light on this and, and activate around it, I think it's hugely important. And uh, I'd love to... focusing on skills a little bit more i saw you speak at the hue tech summit event before and you were talking there about critical thinking so i wanted to kind of go on to that a little bit as well now as we're looking ahead everybody's talking about you know future proofing skills it's one of these key phrases at the moment what does that look like to you you know do you think there's any skill that's particularly undervalued for example or is a must-have one for that kind of tool set you've been on to mean to to work on and and, and help you develop i think you know there's that phrase isn't there the only constant is change i think everybody's experienced that and for me what i like to do is kind of help people build this little tool set and you've got all these different types of skills to build into and have that confidence that you know what I can keep growing whatever that situation develops into so I wonder what you're seeing there in terms of you know maybe a skill that's most undervalued or one that you value the most that would be great to to hear your perspective on well thank you and I appreciate you uh bringing up Hugh Tech that's that's another great you know program that provides fellowship and support for women of color in tech. And I was really uh, honored to, to speak at their summit last year. So, you know, one of the things I think is really important, we throw around, you know, the terms problem solving, critical skill, communication skills, interpersonal skills, you know, all these <laughs> type of skills. But at the end of the day, I tell people active listening and situational awareness is so important. You have to understand what is going on around you and how to then take in that really, you know, kind of 360 information and how to apply it and what you're currently doing. This is something that I feel sometimes, you know, in the tech world, especially people, you know, you know, everyone said there's like a, a, ter- a certain type, right? And tech, right? Focus, heads down, you know, <laughs> laser focus, right? And, and, and that, that to me, I, I, okay, I get it. But you also have to kind of bring in what the situation. So case in point, you know, we don't always have to use a screwdriver, right? Sometimes if you don't have a screwdriver to, you know, for unwinding on, on a screw, right, you may have to use, I don't know, a butter knife. <laughs> you don't have a screwdriver. Let's look around. You know, people sitting there, well, like, well who has a screwdriver? You have a screwdriver. And meanwhile, there's all these butter knives all around, right? So it's like sometimes you got to just be a little bit more, um, here we go, creative. And, and I think that's where, you know, kind of leans into critical skill, but also just the situational awareness. I cannot stress this enough. What is going on around us is really not only the information age, but we are moving into so much of this now beyond. There's so much data, so much information. How can we identify even, we have so much information, you know, everyone's talking about the big data problem, but it's just, it's more than that. It's how do we even use this information? What do we do? How do we protect people from misuse? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of these things, I think, uh, of why we see it on the news and, 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 you know, all this information of this, you know, this company or that company using data, you know, in mis- you know, unauthorized ways. I think active listening 
it's just really one of those things just just so important in situational awareness. I think that gets doesn't really get to do this, you know, it's it's due as far as being an important skill. And active listening really is well, you can see this. I don't know about in the UK, but in the, in the US, you know, we need some work on active listening. <laughs> you have to learn to work collaboratively, whether people are on the same viewpoints or not, right? I think we all just have to, you know, understand where everybody's coming from and then learn from what value they bring to the table, not what different differing values they are, right? You know what I'm saying? Like we all may not agree, but you ever heard the term we can uh, we can agree to disagree. You know, your ways may not be the only way, right? So let's learn from each other. Let's actively listen and then bring in that situational awareness to then problem solve and get to what the solution should be. I love that. I love that. And the word empathy was was coming to the fore as well as you were talking there as well. So I couldn't agree more strongly. Active listening is a very underrated skill, I think, and a curiosity I, I would put right up there as well in terms of shining a light on the value of that, that continual the quest to learn, to unlearn, to discover something new, you know, to bring things from one area to another. I love that. And pragmatism probably would be another one as well. We could, we could go on there with, with, with different examples, couldn't we? But I, I think that's a lovely one. Brilliant stuff. And what about from a leadership perspective? I think there's some really nice overtones in you know, what you know, what makes a good leader today, putting all these different aspects to, together. You know, what characteristics do you think there um, really help people to lead the way? And I think you've naturally covered them uh, very well. But is there anything else you would like to add around that, the role of the leader today? Well, I, you know, it, it goes back to, I, I say, you know, I don't like to do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> That's not what we should be striving for. We should model leadership. And, and now I know in my position, I try to model leadership and to really just draw the best out of everybody every day. You know, the field of cybersecurity is, can get kind of, can kind of wear you down. <laughs> Because it's 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 nonstop. There's this perpetual, constant change, and you know sometimes you don't you know you don't know where you're at in the situation, and you don't know if you're progressing or regressing. <laughs> yeah. And I tell people all the time, just keep moving forward and look at the win. And how I do that is I don't bog down my teams on what we're not doing right. I lift up and talk about what we're what we're doing right, right? I don't care about what we're doing wrong. Let's learn from them, learn from the, you know, those challenges and move on. So I think for leadership is being optimistic because I'm an optimistic person. I think it's important to bring that energy into, into the space, into your teams, but to also model good energy and model ways that people can bring their best selves to the problem and to, you know, what they're doing from their day to day. I love that. Leading with example, positive and compassionate leadership. That was coming to the fore for me there. And also alongside that, from an education point of view, that learning by doing as well. Um, big believer in that, the kind of the John Dewey approach. I, I couldn't agree more. That's fantastic. And now indulge me, but again, this is, this is a, a passion area of mine and I know I've shared one as well. So let's perhaps take a moment to talk about technology for good. And naturally, we've been drawing into examples of this throughout our chat today, which has been fantastic. But I just wanted to see, you know, to give the floor to you a minute to talk about any projects, you know, beyond some of the ones we've spoken about earlier or in more depth that are kind of tech for good or inclusive leadership related. I just think it's so important to shine a light on these, you know, the stories, the peoples, the projects that are making a difference and also to encourage people to get 
involved in those and show there might be something for you, you know, wherever you are in the world, whether it's online or something in your local community that's more physical and hands-on. So I'd love to hear from you about that and anything you recommend people to get involved in. Sure. So, well, it's a couple of things. One of the things is I co-chair the uh, National uh, Cybersecurity, Cybersecurity Education Diversity Initiative. This is a, a program that comes out of the National Cybersecurity Education in- Initiative that is part of being supported uh, with, by the U.S. government. And what this program is, the National Cybersecurity Education Diversity Initiative is really to help build, grow, and sustain cybersecurity educational programs in the post-secondary education, but for schools that are, quote-unquote, what we call categorized as minority-serving institutions. So minority-serving institutions or schools that are predominantly from various underrepresented groups, um, historically Black uh, colleges and universities. We have Native American universities. We have Pacific Islander universities, uh, Hispanic-serving institutions. So all of these types of categories. So being a co-chair for this program really is just helping to build that public-private partnership in supporting these schools and, again, building new programs. So what those educational programs uh, look like, some schools that are categorized as minority-serving institutions, they may not have a computer science program, but they may have like a criminal justice program So how and no cybersecurity program. So how can you then infuse cybersecurity in like a criminal justice program and really being creative of how we can embed cybersecurity and all of the areas of cybersecurity, which is, you know, we know it's multidisciplinary, right? Um, and interdisciplinary. How can we bring all that to the forefront? So some of these schools, so they can still, when they have, ta- you know, uh, students who are matriculating through their programs, they also have some experience and can bring value to the cybersecurity field and really building a, a diverse set of cybersecurity uh, professionals and growing that, you know, the cyber you know, providing them cybersecurity pathways. So that's one program. Another one that I'm, I'm really looking to start engaging with is, of course, is looking at the prison, uh, unfortunately, returning citizens and what and what that does. So, so you know, in the U.S., every year over 600,000 individuals are released from our nation's jails and prisons. And many times, you know, these returning citizens do not have the skills necessary to transition in a digital society. And this impedes their ability in acquiring employment in tech. So I really feel, you know, it's so important to support these programs um, and helping to educate and train these individuals to bridge that skills gap. Because if we don't, I I know in the U.S., uh, we will continue to have a large portion of our society ill-equipped to be productive in our digital society. I couldn't agree more. It's such an important point to, to highlight. I really believe that. I'm I'm involved in a in a project as well um, with the youth free offenders um, in the UK and also going into prisons as well around ICT training um, and cybersecurity in particular. And it, it it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever been involved in. And it's so important to talk about um, that opening up of opportunity and giving second chances and really building this community up is so so important. And you talked about reoffending rates there, and it's really interesting that when you look at some of the research around this. So as an example, you know, countries like Iceland, Norway and Finland have got some of the lowest reoffending rates in the entire world. It's something around 20%, I think, the last time I looked at this. 
Um, and when you look at the details behind it, it's been supported by investment in education. And it's giving people that pathway word you use there, progressive pathway for a real world job and a future ahead. Um, and giving them the skills, confidence, and the personal confidence skills. Go back to STEAM again. It's not just about that tech training. It's been able to believe in yourself, you know, and looking at the holistic person and active listening, all those things we talked about today, programs like that can make, you can transform someone's life. Absolutely amazing. And contribute to some of the skills gaps we've been talking about as well. So it's hugely important that we get investment in, in diversity of experiences and opening up opportunities in the wider sense. So absolutely Again, I could talk about that for a long time as well, because I think it's so, so important. So thank you for bringing that up, Amelia. I think it's really important that we, we talk about this in the widest possible way and really see what we can do to, to help in that area too. So wonderful, wonderful. And do you know what I'll do now? Again, this isn't something that always gets talked about, and I think it's really important. We've talked about rate of change a lot today, haven't we? And, and navigating different things, people moving into different roles, people sometimes feeling they have to leave them because of different pressures. So I wondered what, what you find is your kind of switch off. So for me, it would be music as one example like i said earlier singing badly playing better but or just listening to it but i love i love music that's my form of expression and a bit of sketching you know on the art side and things like that as well but what have you found you know with, with everything that's been going on over the last couple of years and the transition we've got going on at the moment you know what do you find is, is a great kind of tip or you know, something personal maybe if you don't mind sharing you know, about navigating this being resilient looking after yourself you know mental health well-being is so so important i think again the more we can talk about you know tips to share around how we navigate these things can help everybody as well. Wow, thank you. That yeah, that's a that's a big one and it's it's again, you know, us in this post-covid, I'm going to call it post-covid because I'm hoping we're we're on the I other end of it. Yeah, about <laughs> it. absolutely. <laughs> Um, for me, uh, I, first off, I, I, I had to start, I give myself plenty of grace <laughs> just to be, to kind of be in the moment, listen to my inner self and what, what that need is right now. Because as I stated to you before, you know, in a perpetual constant state of change, especially in cybersecurity, it's kind of, it's kind of easy to kind of get lost a little bit. And, and all of a sudden you look back and go, oh, what in the world what happened to me? <laughs> what, why am I feeling so fractured? So I, I, I really, for me, I take time for self-care. And what that is, it's so simple for me. It's just stepping outside in a quiet yep. <laughs> corner. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful that um, even though I live uh, in Washington, D.C., and it's, it's not quiet by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but I, you know, for me, just getting outside to a park, which I do have a, a lovely park nearby, just getting out to a park. And sometimes just that 10, 15 minutes to get my thoughts together and not to, you know, overconsume myself with so much weight of the world. And, it, you know, it takes some time, right, for, for folks to find what that is for them. But for me, that's been kind of how I've been coping. And, you know, this Zoom world that we live in, uh, for, for many of us who are, you know, working from home, I try to definitely, I schedule uh, specific breaks in the day. I think it's so important. You cannot continuously be online talking all day, you know, yeah. and, and not have provide yourself some breaks or uh, somewhere where you are rejuvenating, you know, to, so you can be your best self. So I, I think for me, that's kind of what I do to switch off. And like you said, I love music too. 
I am. I'm, sometimes, you know, and it doesn't have, I am not even this person. I love all forms of music. So I, I actually just, whatever it is that day, uh, you know, I, I do, I like to do genre 70s, 80s. That's kind of, and whatever Lovely. comes on, I'm good to go. <laughs> 60s, I don't care what it is. I put, I put that on there and, and I just want to listen to just the creative creativity, listening to the lyrics. And I, I get all in my head a little bit. I think about like, wow, what were they thinking back then? Look, listen to these lyrics, you know, <laughs> you know, I just, I just really just try to, to just stay in the moment and give myself that time to just, you know, be free a little bit. Right. And just not so not let everything kind of weigh you down. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that you brought back a happy memory. Last time I was in Washington by complete fluke, I timed it when the blossom came out. And it was, oh my goodness, so beautiful. It was absolutely exquisite. And you've also reminded me of something else on the music side as well, because again, I like multi-genres. And um, I sometimes get very into that, you know, kind of like air guitar in your kitchen, that type of thing. And I did like a little Bruce Springsteen number and got so into it, I actually crashed into a door. But there you go. So (laughs) it can, can, that that ability to express yourself and and get out of your head, so so to speak, it's such a recharging opportunity, isn't it? And I've been writing a book and that music aspect has been so important to that just to clear your head a little bit and it's when you do that you have those little moments that matter um, and the little tangents and things that you hadn't thought about and it just seeps through and you get the idea um, when you're least expecting it you know it really helps your brain I think just to, to re-energize and get those ideas so yeah I love that I absolutely love that I know we're starting to run short on time because I, I, I thought this would happen because lo- so many lovely synergies and things. So I'll, I'll do a, you know, a couple of quick round questions just to just to round things to a close. But, you know, obviously inclusion, diversity, well-being have been kind of three pillars really of our, of our conversation today. And I'd love it if we could kind of just share some examples of how you think that organisations can better support that. You know, something we might have mentioned earlier or if we haven't had time to, to get onto that. You know, what do you think we can do to better support that embedding? So it's not on a periphery. It's something that's part of every day um, and you know things that you're doing at VMware for example or with other work that you're doing as well it'd be great just to bring some of those examples practically to the fore right yo thank you yes yeah, so I, I think it's so important for organizations to just be you know let, be intentional you know, I, I think a lot of the DEI efforts uh, that you're you know that we see in some companies at least at least you know from what I hear or if I if I have a uh, a peer who is you know in the company it's they you know folks understand your the people who are in the groups that you're trying to address know when it's lip service you it has to be t- intentional in supporting affinity groups and focusing on developing underrepresented talent so like in VMware you know we have this goal setting initiative uh, that by 2030 we are confident that we will hire at least one woman for every man we hire and that at least half of our management team will be comprised of women and those from backgrounds currently underrepresented within our organizations so it's really working across right you know groups that are supporting what we call this, you know, marginalized communities or underrepresented communities and helping them make that digital uh, transformation more accessible for all. So if companies are are not intentional, then that's just, you know, really it's just, you know, water under the bridge. It's just not going to be executed uh, properly. So I, I really pleased that at VMware, there are they are being intentional. Um, we have various communities, employee, you know, resource groups and community groups um, that help foster a sense of belonging. And they're walking the walk and they're putting their investments behind um, supporting uh, these various groups. So I think that's what 
that's what needs to happen and really providing a culture where everyone feels valued and wanted and, and can thrive and what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's how we move beyond, you know, DEI to belonging, isn't it, at the end of the day? And I love what you said there about intentionalism. And you know, it's that, I, I like to talk in pillars, but it, uh, there's another three of them here, I think. It's that, tr- that intentionalism um, that moves beyond transparency to commitment to accountability. And I think you really brought that to the fore there. That's so spot on. And it kind of brings me to say, you know, hopefully we can come together again, you know, like maybe at the end of this year and kind of see, see where everything is. You know, what would you hope could have changed by there or have been accelerated and what what do you think could we we could be aiming for for the end of this year in terms of change making so I think what we, we need to do, there's got to be some introspection. I think I was reading a lot of documentation, how we're moving from like this information age to like this age of reckoning, right? So we're realizing that all this technology advances may, you know, has caused some disruption. And we need to understand what that disruption is and what the impact is, especially to underrepresented and marginalized groups. So I think there's going to be, for me at the end of this year, I would hope to see policies around how we are supporting societies that's been left out and disrupted and impacted by the the technological advances and how we're looking to rope the you know these groups in and building a more sustainable future of work right for our society because um, if we don't build a well-informed educated productive skilled society then it's not going to look so good overall and our you know having that sustainable uh, advancement right for the next generations. Absolutely. So, so true. Thank you very much for sharing that. And let's do one final takeaway. Um, and, and again, I'd love to kind of phrase this into thinking about all learners, you know, because sometimes we can focus on at, at school schools and like the talent pipeline, but equally sometimes we focus on older learners. Let, let's kind of bring this all together. You know, wherever you are on your journey now, if you had one nugget of advice to help people kind of move to where they want to be next and to encourage them to take that step, what do you think that would be? I tell people, you know, to keep your eyes on the prize, to manifest your destiny. Please, I think what people do, uh, at least for, for, for folks that I mentor, they're so quick to come to me and they go, well, you know, Dr. Amelia, I was looking on social media. And as soon as they say that, I go, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. What do you want to do? Because what happens is social media, I think, breeds a herd mentality. Oh, I need X, Y, Z degree or I need X, Y, Z certification. I can't do this job because I'm no, no, no. This is, you know, we live in a world of free will, right? So, and really with technology now, you can create what you see yourself doing. So I tell people, what do you like? Start, let's focus on you. I can't focus on everything across social media, right? Let's focus Mm -hmm. on you and try to identify what your strengths are, what you want to improve upon, right? And just manifest your destiny. I am a perfect example of manifesting my destiny. I wrote down and very, very intentional, didn't realize I was that intentional until I looked back at my life 20 years ago and was my mother actually brought this to my attention. She keeps everything of me, right? So everything, she has like this box of all my articles and, you know, all these things written about me or what I've done. And 
she pulled this out because I had to give a speech. Uh, I did a keynote, the uh, woman in, in science programs that I was invited to at a, a, a university. And they were like, oh, we want to give you a keynote to uplift, you know, a woman in, in tech and women in the science fields. And I said, okay, okay, inspirational. Um, so I, I had the title of blazing, you know, blazing your path, right? And, you know, what should you do? And I centered it all around this one article my mother just sent me. She took a picture. She goes, this may help inspire you. And it was an interview I had late 90s where it talked about how do I see myself? I was just awarded a National Physical Science Consortium Fellowship that was like hitting a lottery for me. I didn't know how I was going to pay for grad school. So having this opportunity now, I was like, wow, now I can pursue my master's and PhD in computer science. And the article I said in there, how do I see myself in the next 20 years? I'm going to be a, and this was late nineties now. So cyber really wasn't (laughs) a term used, right? But I said that I want to be a cybersecurity. I said a cyber professional and I want to teach computer security in an educational setting right? You know, so academic, I wanted to be in academia and I want to help people feel secure in their day-to-day lives. I want to be a cyber cop. <laughs> I love it. You see what I'm saying? So right there now, over 20 years ago, I manifested my destiny, right? Because I feel I do that every day. I'm here to protect and defend, right? Our, now, you know, for VMware customers, of course, right? Against bad guys, against the adversaries. But my military career, I protected, defended, you know, our nation, right, from exactly. from adversaries, right? And so it, it had this woven kind of thread throughout my career path that I didn't even realize was put down on paper mm-hmm. over 20 years ago. So I tell people, don't, you know, undermine the strength and what you can do and the fortitude and your ideas. Don't undermine them. So really manifest your destiny. Right. And whether that be, you know, people who want to make a career change, I don't care. Upscale, rescale, whatever you want to do, just manifest it. Right. And be intentional and keep your eyes on the prize. So those are my nuggets. I love that. Honestly, they were brilliant. They were brilliant. And I'd also say the point you made on social media as well, use it, I would say, in a purposeful way. Um, Because on the flip side of that, I think it can be amazing for finding communities of practice and people who share your values. Um, And finding a mentor, for example, as well, because you can find them in all sorts of places. And I've I've ended up with some wonderful relationships there where someone's seen something you shared and they've messaged me on DM and then I've had an amazing conversation. And then I've ended up being a mentor and things like that. It's just been an amazing thing. So as well, use it selectively in a way that works for you um i think is a powerful um you know, could be a powerful community build as well so i absolutely love that and four words are ringing through my ears now manifest destiny and also strive and thrive amelia honestly it's been a joy to speak to you and i really hope we can do that again soon because it's been it's been an amazing conversation so thank you so much for joining me today and thank you so much for having me sally i really enjoyed this uh, conversation thank you Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening as well. I hope you can join us soon for another episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. And we'll be sure to share about all the projects we've discussed today as well. And I hope they inspire many of you to take part and maybe form your own one too. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.